Welcome to the Purposed Marriage Podcast. If you are in a marriage that is damaged, broken, and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you will find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse, no matter the heart condition, to a closer walk and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God can and does heal marriages, no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purpose Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Larson. With me is my co-host, Amy Larson. Say hello, Amy. Hello. Amy is uh, just now able to compose herself. She was laughing uncontrollably a couple minutes ago, and so now we have full composure and are ready to uh, continue with our lesson for today, which actually has to do with uh, arguments, uh, winning the argument against divorce. And uh, prior to Amy and I getting divorced, I I would say that uh, it was a rare day when we didn't have an argument. But Um, we didn't argue well. You're going to have a point of view. Your spouse is going to have a point of view. And those opposing points of view uh, can uh, butt up against one another. But I believe it's the manner and spirit upon which you express those views that determines um, how it can positively or negatively affect the relationship. What we want to try to communicate today is that... There's a right way to go about arguing against a spouse who is pursuing divorce, and we're going to explore that. All right, so to begin, I'm going to recount a, uh, a time uh, early on. This is when uh, I was actually out of the house, and our oldest son had an event at his school, sort of a family uh, what would you call that, Amy? What was a family fun event? A family fun event at, at school. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Amy, why don't you go ahead and, and, and set it up. Describe what it was like, what, what your expectations were coming in to that. Um, so that evening, it was during the evening, and it was kind of like a carnival. Um, they had lots of bouncy houses and rides and face painting and games for the kids and they had food as well so it was just a night where families could come out and enjoy the evening together Um, and from my point of view I thought what I was doing was a great thing because I actually invited Tommy for us to go together as a family and so in my mind I'm thinking see I'm a great person because I'm inviting him to come be along you know with the boys and I as we have fun and celebrate. Um, Even though I often would remind him that he was no longer my family, I didn't want to be his family, um, those types of things. So I had invited him. We had planned to meet there. And once we met up, um, we went in. We had a great time. The boys were having fun. Um, I mean... You know, I would think that it was somewhat of a normal evening. Well, by all outward appearance, it looked it looked normal. like a happy family, right? That was there together. Yes, and I think that's what I like to focus on a lot is 
well, you know, we want to keep the family unit together in public, and we can argue and bicker behind closed doors, but when we go out, people need to see that we're capable of having, you know, a separation that's happy, and, you know, we, we can be together and not kill each other, and I mean, really, I think more than anything, I was really striving to look for or or to have a a nice outward appearance for everyone to see so yeah by all outwardly accounts it was a normal evening and as we were kind of wrapping up 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 the night Tommy had asked if I wanted to um, go get dessert somewhere and I had already made other plans with one of my friends um, it was also the weekend. I believe this was a Friday night. Mm-hmm. And so, really, our meetup was also to exchange the boys. And I knew that he was taking the boys, and I had other plans with one of my girlfriends. And so, you know, that the, the idea of, well, let's go get dessert, that did not fit into the plans that I had made for that evening. So... I politely declined and literally said, no, thank you. I think that's all I said. I didn't give a reason or offer any explanation. It was just no thank well, you. Well, the reason came out a little bit later when uh, we actually started to argue. Yes. You said, I have plans with so-and-so. Right. But initially, I felt like I didn't need to explain anything to you. We were right. separated and... No means no. I can just say no, and that would be the end of it. Um, And that wasn't the end of it, unfortunately, as we were leaving. uh, I think the awareness of where we were regarding our situation and, you know, putting on this face of happy family when we are heading back to our cars and exchanging suitcases and children I think all of that came to a head, um, and Tommy got very, very upset. Um, And how I viewed it at the time was that he was just angry because he couldn't control me and make me go have dessert with him. And that really wasn't it (laughs) at all, but that's absolutely how I viewed it. And so he, um, from what I recall, he he got angry, and his tone got louder, and, you know, I'm trying to calm him down, saying, control yourself, you're you know, making at, a scene. At, at that point, I was really of the mindset that I don't care. I mean, we are <laughs> we are painting this picture. We're, and it is It is complete hypocrisy. Yeah. Well, and it was. People walking by, they are seeing us exchanging suitcases. And you expect me to be civil and not act and not call things out for what they are and that's basically what was driving my anger there it was right the hypocrisy and and see i saw it as just the controlling angry man right um but you know the way i handled that uh didn't lead to anything good at least that evening and then later on in the evening uh, we had a conversation on the phone. I don't know if you remember that at all. 
I don't. Well, um, I think I had uh, sent a message to you. This was um, after I was back at the apartment with the boys, and I said, hey, let, let's talk about this. And, and you called, and we probably spent about an hour on the phone, and you were basically uh, trying to communicate that we have to change the way we act out in public, and that that's when I first heard the words that God has made the path for you crystal clear. <laughs> it was that conversation, oh, okay. and that I needed to basically just deal with the reality. Right. And, uh, I mean, I argued uh, back with you. Uh, during that conversation, and it was getting nowhere. I mean, the arguing for me was getting absolutely nowhere. The only thing that was happening, it's like it caused you to just dig in deeper. Right. Uh, the mm-hmm. things that I was saying. And, and really, most of the things that you were saying, the reason that I probably don't recall that exact discussion is because after that, um, you can, as the prodigal, what you said is so true. We, we dig in deeper and hold to what we like to call our truth and literally tune out everything else. So really every, I mean, anything that you said, I probably wasn't, I, I was not listening. I was tuning it out so that when you stop talking, I could make my point. And I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Well, and I don't believe there was any headway made either way. No. Uh, it was a, it was a very uh, painful experience, to be honest with you. I, I felt sick over the, um, over the evening and how things had unfolded. I thought the way we left, it painted a horrible picture. I mean, people who. Uh, walked past us, saw us, Mm -hmm. yeah, saw us arguing, uh, two separate cars, you know, the kids in one car crying. Yes, they were crying. It was, it was a bad scene. And, um, at that point I hadn't reached a level of maturity and discernment so as to know how to effectively diffuse that situation and basically and essentially turn the other cheek. It's not that I wasn't speaking truth to her. Right, well, everything uh, that you were saying was correct. But it's like arguing with somebody who is... Not listening. Uh, not, not listening. And this is, this is not to call you a fool, <laughs> Amy. Uh, or for those of you who have arguments with your spouse, this is not to paint them as a fool. But uh, there's one scripture that came to my mind, and I wrote it down here, Proverbs... 26, 4 through 5, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Mm-hmm. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So basically, what we're hearing here is to not stoop to the level mm-hmm. of your prodigal and uh, try to count, have your, they make their point and then you have your counterpoint and it just goes back and forth and back and forth. It's not going to yield any good fruit. In order for them to change, the Holy Spirit is going to have to uh, grab a hold of their heart. And you're going to have to argue with them, not in words, but with deeds. And those deeds are going to look dramatically different than at least what I was showing on that particular day. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, argue in love. You know, 
God teaches us to speak the truth in love. And I would say that nothing that evening was spoken um, in love. It was spoken out of frustration. Yeah. And it, it was it was it was a lot of frustration and you know, I I understand that frustration mm-hmm. having having been there and you want to try to convince uh, your prodigal that you are right and that what they are doing is not of God. It's only going to bring about suffering and pain. And and all of that is true. That's all true. All of it's but true. But you, you, you are not going to be able to convince them. In fact, it, it drives them further in the other direction. And, of course, in, in my case, because I had this label placed on me of being a controller, anything that I said or did that was contrary to what Amy wanted to do was seen as me trying to control mm-hmm. her, even if it lined up with Scripture. So I was really in a lose-lose situation, situation yep. from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, as more time went on, I realized I, I'm not going to be able to fight this battle uh, with my words. I mean, this is this is a hold that has to be broken, and God is the only one who can change it, mm-hmm. break those chains. And there was a good lesson that was learned there at least for me at, at the time and um well and it's good to i mean i'm so thankful that we can you know look back on the past and talk about it and you know all i saw was a controlling angry man that's just shouting and you know making our children cry i mean and i didn't see my part in actually no amy you you and your words and what you're doing and your walk towards divorce, that is what's leading everyone to tears. But but you can't, the prodigal really sometimes, they, they can't see it. They will have times of reflection and times of clarity where it's like, oh, that, you know, that, that makes sense or this is what's happening. But oft, more often than not, you know, we are digging in our we're digging our heels in. We are out to divorce, or we're out to live our own life, or find our own happiness, or a lot of those key terms used. And we really, you know, we're we're not looking to hear the truth. We're not looking to change our minds or have our hearts changed. We're looking to do things our way, and not and not God's way. And so I'm thankful that now we can have these conversations. And we have had conversations about past events where I can ask Tommy, hey, remember when we had this argument? Like, I just saw you as controlling. Like, what were you thinking? And, you know, once there was an explanation that, look, (laughs) we're being completely hypocritical by our outward appearance at this family fun event we're all looking happy, like everything's normal, um, and that we're just two separated, happy people coming together to co-parent our kids. And, and really, that's that wasn't true. I mean, that's not, that was an outward appearance we were trying to portray, or that I was trying to portray. And I actually, you know, was trying to get Tommy to play along. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, you were trying to paint a picture, and I... I knew what the picture was mm-hmm. that you were trying to paint, and I didn't want to have any part of it. Right. And, is, and once I think you explained that, it totally made sense to me of why you were so upset and why, 
you know, like to me, it just seemed like, well, he's just mad because I don't want to get dessert um, because he can't control what I do and where I go. And really, like, those weren't even the reasons at all that you were actually upset. It went much deeper than me going out with you and the boys for dessert. Yeah. Well, um, the next situation we're going to discuss is basically uh, a complete reversal of how I approach the situation. So, again, having to do with our oldest son, he was having a, uh, a birthday party getting ready to turn, what was he, seven, eight at the time? I can't remember. Uh, but you had planned to have a... I think a, six turning seven. Okay, all right. A, uh, a birthday party, and uh, you decided to plan it on a Wednesday night, okay, <laughs> at a time when I wouldn't be able to actually be attend yes. because I had other obligations. And... Uh, I had expressed my desire to be with the family, be with Amy and the boys during this time. And basically what I heard was, well, this was the only time everybody could get together. And I thought, well, you know, what, what about, it's like everybody except me. <laughs> everybody okay. except their father. Yeah. And so, of course, I was disappointed. Uh, I was hurt. Uh... But I asked the Lord to uh, make clear to me a way to use that event as an opportunity to show love uh, and sacrifice to Amy. And so uh, it, was, it was made very clear to me that I was going to pay for whatever the cost of the birthday celebration was and not have an expectations to actually attend. And so I did share with Amy, I said, look, I, I want to do this. Uh, whatever you have planned, take this money and use it. Um, I understand I'm not going to be there, uh, but I want you to use this regardless. And I think how, how that differs from where I was uh, a long time prior to that, Whereas before, I would want to argue my case and say, no, I need to be there. Can't you see how bad this looks? I mean, I really wanted to be there. I was very disappointed and very hurt. But I believed in my heart and with the Lord's leading that the way to demonstrate true love to Amy and to my son was to sacrifice. So in this sense, I was, I was still able to be a part of the party, I was demonstrating uh, love, and the fact that I wasn't there uh, showed that I was sacrificing something. And I think ultimately that made an impression on Amy. Uh, maybe not at the time, although I don't know. No, I, think I don't know. It, it definitely made an impression on me at the time, but I don't think it fully. Like I don't. I don't think I fully comprehended the sacrifice and the importance of that until much later. Um, I, I ended up, uh, everything that Tommy said was, was true. I had planned the birthday party. Um, what he hasn't told you, that he does know, <laughs> but um, what he hasn't told you is that I actually 
planned it on a night that he could not be there, um, knowing that he would not be able to be there because of his prior obligations, as to appear that I was, you know, um, extending an invitation, knowing that he could not commit to come that evening. Um, So it appeared that, oh, she's inviting me, when in reality, I purposely planned it so that he was not available to come. Um, And I think at one point, uh, I even told him, you know, look, if you want to have a party for Micah, I mean, you can do that with you and your friends. These are me. These are my friends and my family, and I'm gonna have a party for him. And if you want to do the same, you know, I, I uh, invite you to do that. You, you should, you yeah, should do I that. I encourage you to do yeah, that. I, I remember I mean, you sent me an email. Yeah, but it know. was very, um, what's what's the word? Very demeaning. You know, I, I didn't mean it. It was like, I'm look at me. I'm so proud of myself because I'm I'm planning this party. Um, and you're the father, and you're not even planning anything. You just want to piggyback off of off of my party. I mean, that really is how I saw it in my mind at the time. And it's like, this is the father of your children. This is your husband. Um, at the time, well, no, I guess we were officially divorced at the time. Um, yeah. But you had your you piece know, of paper, so yeah, I in your mind, I was, was satisfied with you know with myself and how you know great of a mom I was to have planned this and if he really loved our son he would plan his own party and um just a very demeaning type attitude um towards towards Tommy uh and you know it, it, it again it appeared to be oh, we want to invite you to this party, uh, when in reality, I, I had no intentions of him coming. And in fact, I mean, I don't know what I would have done if he said, hey, I got this other commitment, you know, moved, and now I can come. I, I mean, I suppose at that point, I would have probably made something up like, well, I already gave him the headcount, no one else can come, or just told him at that point, well, I said that to be nice, but you're uninvited. Um, I mean, I really think that that's probably how that would have went down, just because, you know, there there were there weren't any kind intentions at all. Yeah, and I think if I was operating with my flesh, to hear an argument come back at me like that, I I probably would have said something along the lines of, well, you're accepting this money, maybe I'll just take that back. Right. Um, And uh, I'm not good enough for you, then neither is my money. Right. Uh, Well, and also, I mean... And again, that wouldn't have done any good, and it wouldn't have uh, been obedient to uh, the sacrifice that I was being called to make. I mean, that was was very clear to me. You're going to demonstrate love and sacrifice here. You're not going to argue with your mouth. You're going to accept what's handed to you, you're going to take it. You're going to suffer uh, for this. And ultimately, that sacrifice did make an impression. Oh, yeah. It made it made a huge impression. And not only to me, but um, also to my parents who were in attendance um, at the birthday party. 
when they found out that, oh, well, we don't have to pay for anything because Tommy paid for everything. I mean, that, that caught their attention um, as well. And so it was very, you know, shocking. And we're not talking about like, you know, here's $20. I mean, it was a significant amount of money that he had given me for this celebration. Um, but I do believe that later, um, and in fact, two weeks later, him sacrificially giving in that way um, allowed me to be vulnerable to let him continue to show me love. I had an openness and a vulnerability to him in a way that I never had before um, because of the way he sacrificed and showed love, even when I was, you know, not demonstrating love. Um, to see him in that light that, wow, he's willing to give me this money and pay for this birthday party when he wasn't even invited. He's missing out on his son's birthday party. If he's willing to do that, I mean, what is he not willing, you know, to do um, for, you know, our family? Um, so that, that spoke volumes to me. First Peter 2.23 says, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And uh, the, clo the closer I grew to the Lord the more I understood and realized that uh, the battle that was being waged uh, was one that had to be won through love and through the power of Christ alone. Uh, I could play a role in uh, securing the victory by being obedient to the Lord and following the example of Christ by demonstrating humility, sacrifice, and love. Those are the types of things that really had an impact uh, on Amy and actually worked to soften her heart and change her perspective. So it wasn't the, <clears throat> the arguments that I was trying to win with my words where I was quoting scripture or just basically proclaiming the truth or explaining the reality of the situation or countering her, her, uh, her outlook and perspective of a, a future that didn't involve me and her together. Uh, that, that wasn't working. It, it never worked. And uh, I had to let the Lord uh, do what He needed to do. And again, praise God for the power of the Lord and uh, what He was able to achieve through obedience. And again, Anytime we share things uh, with you all, that is not ever to heap praise upon ourselves, but it is always to bring praise and glory uh, to the Father, because that's what this is all about. This is all about glory being given to the one to whom glory is due. Yeah, and we, I mean, we tried in, in our own power, um, you know, to mend things during our 10-year marriage. I mean... I tried on my own, but not fully giving God the the weight of my burden. Um, 
and not allowing God to, you know, fully take control, I tried to do things in my own power, and it didn't work. And then once we were separated, um, I believe, you know, Tommy in the beginning tried to do things in his own power, and it didn't work. And it was only when we were both just fully committed to the Lord um, and to restoration and, and watching Him make movements in our lives and, and, you know, allowing Him to change our hearts and our minds and our perspectives on things. So, you know, glory be to God for all the work that He's able to do. Um, and we humbly accept that, that we cannot do the work of the Holy Spirit. First John 3.18, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So for you as a stander who maybe find it uh, hard to not express with words uh, your love to your prodigal who is leaving or fleeing or running. I know that's very hard. Early on, I, I tried to tell you how much that I loved you repeatedly, and that would always just fall on deaf ears. Um, and that was hard, you know, and I, I thought that, well, if she doesn't hear it, she's not going to know how I feel about her. I have to continually express this because I never expressed it uh, throughout the 10 years of our marriage. But um, by that time, uh, I had basically, basically gotten tuned out. And so uh, no matter how many times I said it, she wasn't hearing it. It wasn't doing any good. And, right. and in fact, she said she didn't want to hear it. Right. I, I didn't want to hear it. And I think it's also... Um important to state that these were things, you know, what Tommy said was true. These were things that he hadn't said in the past. Um, and even though I know that he truly felt them and at the time he had been repentant, he was very sorry, um, for the way that things had gone. Um, he was already in biblical counseling at the time. Um, but because it was such a drastic change and all of a sudden he's pouring out this love and telling me how much he loves me and trying to, you know, do this and that and the other for me by giving me gifts or whatever it may be, you know, I saw that as, wow, how fake can he be? And I saw it as just a fakeness that, okay, now he knows things are not going well, so he's going to pour on the gifts He's going to pour on the I love yous. He's going to, you know, tell me how wonderful I am when he never told me that, you know, or if he did very rarely during our marriage. And so the from the prodigal's point of view, oftentimes if these are things that you haven't shared with your wife or your husband in a while, um, you know, telling them how beautiful they are or how much you love them or how you want to, you know, spend the rest of your life with him. If those aren't things that you have told them, and then you just start pouring that on thick when things get rough, you know, they're, they're going to look at that as fakeness. They're not going to see an authenticity in, in that. 
Okay, so they're going to see it as disingenuous. Disingenuous. They're just absolutely. words. You're just trying to get me yes, back. Yes, you're just trying to get me back. These yeah. are just words. And then once we get back together, you're going to go back to your old ways. And that's very much how my mindset was. And I think that that's why, truly, even after I'd seen a significant change in Tommy's life, I think it still took a good you know, year or six months at least before I was even willing to think about giving him, you know, any type of a chance again. Yeah, well, and and two, I was really, by telling you how much I loved you and desired for our family to be restored, I was attempting to win an argument Mm -hmm. uh, with my words. Right. And again, that that wasn't working. That wasn't the way to effectively argue. Now, what was having an impact was not what I was saying, but what what I was doing over a prolonged period of time to the extent that Amy was able to see patterns of actual demonstrable change. And I think also speaking to that, it's patterns of change. Um, You know, we'll we'll counsel with with couples um, or individuals and, you know, maybe they've been standing for, you know, four months, three months, two weeks, whatever the case may be. Um, They say, well, you know, what good is this because my spouse isn't even seeing it or what good is this chain? You know, how long do I have to do this before they see it? And the answer is you're not doing it for your spouse. You're doing it in obedience to God. And if you want your spouse to see any type of um, change in your life and in your heart and to actually see what God is doing in your life, it has to be prolonged periods um, that, that they may have to see this. So, you know... If, if you've, you know, tried it and, you know, you're, you're doing it for a couple of months and you're like, well, it's not working. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going to give up. That, that's not the answer. Well, and if that's your attitude, then there, in my opinion, there really wasn't any genuine, genuine. change. Exactly. If your heart has truly been changed, then you'll continue to do it regardless of how your prodigal reacts. sees it. Mm-hmm. Or, or and reacts. reacts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the difference yes right there so in wrapping things up today we want to we want to communicate that when it comes to arguing or trying to make your case follow the example of Christ he was humble he sacrificed he loved unconditionally he was a servant he was a servant leader uh, let him be your model pattern your life after the Lord Jesus Christ serve him you serve him by by serving others and when it comes to winning the argument zip your lips all right it's not going to do you any good uh, to try to win those arguments verbally but if you can show sacrifice uh, with your actions eventually over a period of time that will have an impact i'm not going to say when or how but if you have genuinely changed and you are following the example of Christ, people can't help but see that change. Yeah, they can't help but notice. That's right. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at purposedmarriage.org. If you have questions about standing for your marriage and desire to learn more about how to live biblically during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. Our address is purposedmarriage at gmail.com. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.